So, um, I was, I was here at the Little Church many years ago when Todd Pickett and uh, Jay Grant, Mark Ellis, Brad Coleman, some of you guys probably remember those guys. I left, I was living in Carlsbad, rented our house out, came back on 20, end of 21, 22. I um, came to church and Greg greeted me, I didn't know him. And um, I sat down, and for one hour on that Sunday morning, I just watched all these new faces. And so I went home and wrote about it. It's a very descriptive song. A lot of my songs, you guys know, the songs that I write are, they're not the traditional worship songs. Um, but they all, um, they're very heartfelt. Um, they're very heartfelt about the Lord. So this is my one hour Sunday about a year and a half ago, what I saw at the little church was. And you're going to do this for the offerings? Oh, yeah. This and I'm playing Sunday, this. right? I haven't wrote the piano part. I'm rushing. I haven't wrote the whole song out. I'm writing the arrangement now, so this is the solo, the solo part of it, but I'm writing it for the whole worship, and I'll finish all the music maybe by Thursday. Awesome. Hey, how you doing, Steve? So this is called Smiling Steve, Tears. Steve, just come, just, you can do this. The traveling cars in a foreign search, the family's rushing to a lurch. The pews are filled at this little church. They see for you the plaited shirt. Guitar man who picks a solid body from the stand. The curly-haired drummer joins the band and plays songs for you. The glimpse of a white sailor service cap, the red-striped long-sleeve cotton wrap, the peachy blue vest with a button gap. Michael greets for you. The noble lady looks at all of us, denounce the children on leaving us. Her eyes in guidance and parental trust. This is all for you. Smile and cheers. That's how I feel. Oh, that's okay. It's all here, right in this room. With your open hearts, the touch of the master's hand, smiling tears with each grain of sand. Stand. He clears his throat as much as he can. He prays for you. The people, they all, they want to be saved. They enter the tub to be immersed and bathed. The words of purification crave. Baptized for you. 
The preacher man comes back to revive. The power of prayer is now arrived. He quotes from the Bible in Matthew 7, 5. This is all for you. The sound of the guitar singer plays. The pockets of the church members pay. The donation song as the elders pray. It's a gift for you. Smile and cheers. That's how I feel. It's all here in this room. With your open hearts, the touch of the master's hand. Smile and tears with each grain of sand. Now the final moment has come around. We're asked to all walk on down in front to be eternal bound. Promise to save you. The aisle becomes a congested hope. The believers are rushing down the slope. They feel their hearts like a trusted rope. Smiling tears for you. Smiling tears, that's how I feel. It's all here in this room. With your open hearts, listening to his word. Smiling tears, obeying God's words. I sent you those words a year and a half ago. I don't. And I said, I wrote a song and your wife's in it. Because <laughs> I didn't know your wife. That's really funny. <laughs> and those, the noble lady is Toby. Curly, yeah. The, Toby the singer is, is Bob. And the, the singing guy at the offering is uh, Paul. That was awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for the church to hear that. Curly hair lady. Well, I didn't know their names at that time. <laughs> very, very Cat Steven esque. Yeah. Did they really do uh, baptism that day? Yeah, it just yeah. so happened that all that stuff happened in that one day, and I was just walking in the church, and I just moved back home, and I was just sitting there looking around, going, "Who are all these people?" And Greg was the first face I saw, and then you know, Jeff was like the youth minister when I was here, and he was sitting, he was the main guy, so it was just like all, and then as you know, the the greeter was there. That's that, all that description of the of his vest and Michael. everything. Mm-hmm. Michael, that crazy yeah. vest and all yeah. that. That was I saw him in there. Go like, wow, that was, was great. There. Wow, very awesome. So yeah, it was I a lot of stuff that. going on that day. Wow. <laughs> How would you compare that to the Catholic Church that you used to go to? Um, <laughs> well, I have a song for that too, but it's kind of more like a ranchero with a lot of guys getting drunk at mass. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't think that was kind of <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Pete, since you haven't been here for a while, you want to help us in prayer? Sure. Thanks. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here tonight to learn you to learn about your Word and to be together. Fellowship as brothers, we pray that you send your spirit here to be amongst us, 
be with us, uh, open our eyes, ears, help us to understand. Um, thank you for giving us a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, so we're doing something special tonight. Um, we have, well, we're all guests, but we have Billy and actually his brother Mark uh, Miller, um, Andra and Bill. Bill, Billy, Andra and Bill have been long, long time members of Little Church by the Sea. And Billy grew, I mean, say grew up here? I don't know. I grew up in Phoenix. My parents lived here the last eight years, so I'm more of a Cali guy now. <laughs> yeah. But we would come here um, yeah. every summer, so technically, yeah, I grew up here. We yeah. would come every summer. So, so he has quite a, uh, a story of uh, what God has done in his life. Um, so I'm going to grab a chair. Okay, well, here. Hey, doing, David. There's a chair here. Well, that's okay. We got chairs. Yeah. Here, let's just pull this one out. Sorry. Yeah. We'll pull this chair out, David. Just kind of grab Watch your head, Caleb. Sure, please. I didn't see the lamp. You were up here too when you. I, I was up here years ago. Yeah. I was so. here when you had, you went through your stuff and. Yeah, you, you, you guys. You're so courageous. Anyway. Yeah. So. Who wants to say it? I don't. All right. Anyway, and then uh, Billy's brother, Mark. What are you guys age-wise? I don't do as much. <laughs> well, you guys, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, 30, 31, and he's... Well, how they 20. 20. <laughs> we'll grab... We'll come back out again. We'll All right, no more. <laughs> um, lock the door, please. I can sit on the floor. We got chairs. Yeah, we got chairs. Yeah, sit right here. Excuse me. And you can move that, that, yeah, push it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, it's right here. I, I, I'm sure I'm, you won't mind here. me. I'll put my guitar on there. You're right here. Continue. All right. That's not a bad spot. Um, all right. Anyway, I'm not going to say a whole lot because I, I want um, Billy to just talk tonight. I mean, he's he has a ministry in Romania. He's how long? You, um, you've been back for about a month. Been back for five weeks. Okay. Five and then when are you going back? Friday. Friday. Okay. All right. So I asked if if um, we actually as a church support um, support his ministry. Uh, but just, yeah, I just wanted him to have share. You guys can ask questions. I just thought it would be a really neat opportunity to just hear from him. It's pretty open-ended. Um, Tom? I feel bad. It's okay. No, please. I, I, I kind of like it here. <laughs> I got my, got oh, we have room, like we have room for one more. I got my girlfriend. No, that's going to be Jason. Just so you know, like, that's how it should be. All right. Anyway, so I just so. I, I don't have any parameters for Billy. I just thought it'd be neat for him to just tell share the story. Some of you, many of you, how many of you know Billy here? No, okay. Yeah. All right. So not too many. Not too many. So I'm glad Mark raised his hand. So take it away, Billy. Just, well, yeah. Whatever God leads you to talk about, be awesome. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, thank you for the invite, and I see a lot of new faces here, but I know that Little Church, I also see some 
you know, familiar faces. Little Church has always had a special place in my heart because, you know, a little about my life. Um, started to really try to find purpose and meaning, going through problems and problems in the family. Mark knows, my brother, and trying to figure out what is the purpose of my life and end up just going going crazy and getting into the party scene thinking I'd be happy. And I was for a little. You know, I, the basketball team would take me out to parties after games and was on varsity as a sophomore. And I'd come with me to a party. I wanted to be accepted by the world. So I was like, and it was, it was fun, but sin will always come back to bite you, you know, after a season. You know, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And so I ended up just getting um, getting really hardcore into into the party scene, into drugs and drinking and doing prescription pills, which is terrible how, how the pharmaceutical industry just pushed out pills like that to people. People ended up getting hooked on Oxys and Xanax and moved on to heroin and getting stuff off the streets. Just tens of thousands of people. That's what happened to me, you know, I had... Wisdom teeth, my wisdom teeth pulled out, they gave me hydrocodone, I said, wow, I feel good, and I just kept going, and ended up, you know, using five thirties a day, and spending 200 bucks a day on pills, and then moving on to hardcore drugs, and there's no point to get into the details, but just, you, you never think when you start to do things like that, you'll end up, you'll end up bad, you know, it's like a snowball, take a little snowball, and, you know, you roll it down a hill, what's going to happen? When it gets to the bottom, it's going to be a huge snowball. It's going to just destroy everything in its way. And that's sort of how I see, see, see sin. It's when we think that we will be fulfilled through those things, it'll end up destroying us. And so, anyway, my parents, my grandma, they threw an intervention for me. I ended up going to Teen Challenge, admitting that I had a problem. I started to lie at the beginning, saying, no, I don't have a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm just partying. I'm 20, you know, I'm 22. Who doesn't drink? Who doesn't smoke? And then I went to use the restroom. So I'm leaving. You know, I was mad at them. My mom took my phone and saw the, the drug dealer saying, Billy, I found the heroin for you. And then, She's like, I know what you're doing. I look, I looked at your phone. I said, why should you do that? But I started to break down and say, yeah, it's true. You know, I have a problem. And so all of that happened because I, I wanted to be accepted by the world and I wanted to find fulfillment through worldly things. And it just ended up causing me to be spiritually dead. When I looked in the mirror during that season of my life, I just saw a spiritually dead person. That's who I was. I had no hope. I had no life in me. I had no life in my eyes. I was depressed, I was suicidal, and I, I didn't think there was any point to live, and so my grandma told me about a program called uh, Teen Challenge. And Teen Challenge, many of you have probably heard of, it's a program that David Wilkerson started in 1960. And he went to Brooklyn to minister to drug addicts, and he started this ministry, he would watch two hours of television every night. We'd watch cowboy films. I don't know if you know the story. And the Holy Spirit asked him, he said, what would happen if you, instead of watching movies, would pray? And so he turned off the t- he threw out the TV. I'm not saying it's a sin to have a TV. 
But he threw out the TV. He said, okay, I'm going to pray for two hours a night instead of watching cowboy films. And then he got a newspaper of a Time magazine of some four kids, Puerto Rican kids or Mexican kids, uh, on murder, on trial for murder. And they were doing drugs and stuff. And the Holy Spirit told them, go to New York and tell them about me. Tell these kinds of people about me. So then he went there and he... Long story short, he started ministering to drug addicts and it wasn't working and the police threw him in jail. And because he was like causing, you know, disturbing neighborhoods, preaching about Jesus. And he stayed a couple days and he was like, Lord, so I, you know, I came here. He's from Pittsburgh, I think, or Pennsylvania. Well, Pittsburgh's in Pennsylvania, but <laughs> he was from the countryside, actually, in Pennsylvania. I don't know which, which city. And the Lord, you sent me here, like, for what? You know, I'm in jail now. So he's like, I'm going back, I'm not doing this anymore. And then when he got out of jail, all the the drug addicts and gang members were waiting for him. Yeah, you're one of us. That's how you're in jail, and you didn't do anything wrong. They put us in jail, too, for doing nothing wrong. So he's like, we like you, you know? So God allowed him to go to jail so he could minister to the gang members and drug addicts. And if you know Nikki Cruz, he's still an evangelist, like 85, preaches all around the world. So that's how it started. So now there's... I don't know how many centers, over a thousand for sure centers in the world. And so my grandma gave her life, Grandma Colleen, Jesus in 1970. She was in the whole hippie movement. A lot of hippies got saved during that era. So she told me about it, and I'm like, well, you know, I'll go, but I'm not going to repent. You know, I'm not giving up my sin. And I go there, and because I really, I had nowhere to go. I had no intention of giving my life to Jesus. I knew about Jesus, I had head knowledge of Jesus, but I didn't have a revelation about Jesus. And I think Christianity is not a religion, it's a revelation. It's yeah. not It's not head knowledge, it's a heart transformation. And so when I got there, it was just, I just had, my parents said, you can't stay at our house. I was like forging checks and stealing from them. I don't know if Mark knew that. Now he does. <laughs> and I was like stealing money and just doing a bunch of stupid things, you know. And I blamed them, and I was to blame too. There was a, anyway. There was a bunch of problems, and everyone's pointing the finger. But really, it's our problem with the flesh. It's no one else's problem. We're to blame. And so I just, I just had no place to go. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm gonna go there, and. Um, but there was there was there was two phases. The first phase was four months in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is like the boot camp phase. You had to tuck in your shirt. You couldn't have your shirt untucked. You had to make your bed every morning. And I'm like, I'm staying in this phase and I'm out because this is crazy. I told my mom I'll stay the first phase. I actually wanted to leave because they didn't allow me to smoke cigarettes. So I'm like, okay, after like you guys lied to me because you said I could smoke cigarettes, and now I can't. So. So just stay and try the first four months. I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to the second phase in Missouri. So I'm like, I'll stay the first four months and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm out. These people are nuts, you know? And so I, we would wake up at like 6.30 every morning or 6. We'd have to make our bed. If you didn't make your bed, you'd have to write a assignment of a verse, a, a verse about, let's say, the responsibility. So you'd have to write the definition of responsibility and then the verse about responsibility, whatever verse they chose, and then a mini essay like 200 times. So it would take you all day. 
If you didn't make your bed, like, you'd have to sit all day and do this writing assignment. It was really hard. So, you, so we had to do that. Then at 7, we had breakfast. We'd have to clean the kitchen. And then from 8 to 12, we, we'd have, we would have Bible study. And uh, I'm like, wait a second. Like, I have to read books in the Bible for four hours? This is, what in the world is going on? And they told me you're going to be, like, a theologian when you leave. I'm like, I don't know about that, but we'll see. So... They would be like, okay, for my first assignment, they're like, well, you have to read Ephesians and then write a three-page paper. I'm like, I just came from the streets. How am I going to just write a, a five-page paper, a three-page paper about Ephesians? I don't even know what Ephesians means. I thought it was like, I didn't know it was a town of church that Paul wrote to. I had no idea what Ephesians was or where it was in Asia. I had no idea what an Ephesian was. I thought it was like, I had no idea. So I'm like, whatever. And so, then after that, writing these essays, memorizing Bible verses. Oh, after you write this essay, you have to memorize 1 Corinthians 13. You know, about love. Jeez. But they had a purpose with this. And then after, uh, we would have lunch, and then from 1 to 5 or 6, we would have to go to the cemetery and cut around tombstones all day. And Arkansas is hot. It's not like Phoenix, but it's humid. So it's 95 and 100% humidity. So I'm, I have this huge weed cutter on my shoulders. My neck is hurting. and I'm sweating like a pig. I'm like, this is insane. And I would see all these kids my age, really, 6 feet under, 19, 20. I was 22 when I went to the program. 18, 17. And I'm looking at them, good-looking kids, girls, boys. It seemed like they had the whole future in front of them. And, and and the Lord told me, you should be there too, but I had mercy on you. Hmm. And he spoke to me when I was cutting grass around the, around the tombstones. I said, you're not there because I had mercy on you. And, and I'm like, wow. wow. Like, it, was, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, like the fear of God came over me. Like, I should be there. This is, this is, this is crazy. This, is, this could be real, this whole gospel thing. You know? And then we'd get home and we'd have church again. But I didn't want to surrender everything. But I noticed something that was happening is the more I stayed in the Word, the more I changed. Because they were forcing you to stay in the Word. So from 8 to 12, 4 hours in the, in the Word, you, you're either going to look at the Word and say, I don't want to hear it, get it away, or, you're gonna, or it'll cut to your heart. And it may hurt, but it will change you. And it did hurt. You know, Finding things out about me that I'm a sinner, I deserve hell, I was born as a sinner. I had never repented. I was never born again. I never knew Christ. And I was raised in the church. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, wait a second. What if, what if that is the case? And I would have died in my sin. And, and that was sort of scary to me, but I still wasn't willing to surrender. But I remember after a couple weeks, a month or so, I went out to, I was sneaking and like smoking cigarettes and stuff, and I was like, it's not a sin, whatever. And it, maybe it's not for some people, I don't know, but for me, so, something happened. I went out to sneak a cigarette outside, and uh, the Holy Spirit asked me something. And I, again, I wasn't fully surrendered to Christ, 
But a thought came to my mind. Would Jesus be doing this? Because you weren't allowed to smoke. And I was like, trying to hide behind the trees. Like, I wanted to enjoy it. I didn't think it was a big deal. But the Holy Spirit asked me, would Jesus be doing this? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> Disobeying the authority and sneaking behind the tree and smoking. I don't think. No, he wouldn't. Like, that's, that's just the fact. He wouldn't. I was like, Lord, but why? I want to keep this, you know. I don't, I don't want to give that up. And I don't want to give up the drinking. And after a couple of days after the tree incident, the Lord asked me, are you ready to surrender? And, I, and, you know, a lot of times we think, like, Christianity is a set of morals. Like, oh, you, you don't do bad things anymore. That That is not Christianity. It's a heart transformation. And, and what I thought was Amen. Christianity, like... You don't do bad things, you don't dance, you don't drink, you don't go to the club, you know, and you, you stay away from bad people and you stay inside four walls. But it's not a, a moral religion. How I mean, Islam, they're very moral people. They don't commit adultery, they don't drink, they don't eat pork, they eat healthy, you know. They don't cheat people in business, but it's it's not an outward change, it's an inward change. And I, I didn't know that, and I was raised in the church. I had no idea. That Christianity was an inward change. And so, I, I was thinking about that question, am I ready to surrender? Am I ready to surrender? And I remember after about three months staying there, two and a half months, I, I came into the program on the, I believe, the 16th of February 2014, and I gave my life to the Lord the beginning of April, and I was baptized April 5th. So after about, you know, six or seven weeks. And I was wrestling with God, you know, how Jacob wrestled with God. And I said, yes, I, 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 went, I went into church service one morning. Because we had church service and Teen Challenge before the Bible study. And then at night. So it was just Bible, 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 Jesus, Bible, Jesus. And I was like, this is going to burn me out. I don't know if I can do this. But I was, it didn't. It, it brought me life. But I didn't know. I was like, this is... I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I, I just kept thinking, am I ready to surrender? And I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, I, I sort of a flashback of my life during that church service, of me ending up in depression, of me getting arrested for a DUI, of me losing money, of me going through this, of people jumping me, me jumping people, me stealing from people, me, you know doing all these drugs and sleeping around and doing this and doing that and waking up miserable, waking up more depressed, crying, saying, why do I feel this? And I just had a flashback, like, of all these years of me trying to be fulfilled through all this stuff, and I, and I end up here in Teen Challenge, and I felt so dirty. I felt so ashamed. I'm like, why do I, I, I don't want this anymore. I said, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to, I, I surrender my life to you. And I just, this power came over, I just started to cry. And I'm not an emotional person. Like I don't like, you know, I I serve in a Pentecostal church, but I am not like Pentecostal. I'm very analytical, and I and, and I'm like I don't like to show my emotions, you know. But the fact that I was crying, like it proved to me it was God. And I just wept for about an hour, and I felt literally the Lord come. I felt someone like like hugging me, and saying, "You won't. You're not leaving me." Like, literally, and, I, and then the Lord told me, and my, I love you and I died for you. And I heard those words in my heart. And I and I felt like, okay, I, I don't want this to end, you know. It literally felt like someone was was holding me. Someone was 
never going to leave me. And I know that was Jesus. And I realized that this is something that, that, that is real. Like the gospel, the gospel has transformed, will transform my life. And for me, the transformation was not an overnight thing. You know, sanctification, salvation is a process. We know that. But why did I say I have a special heart for Little Church? Is because my parents would, they would come up here. This was eight years ago when I was in Teen Challenge. Or nine years ago, was it? Nine years ago. Wow. Went by quick. And they would come up. And Were you, were you here too? Yeah. You were here too? Yeah. Greg, of course Greg was here. Marcy, if you know. I feel you. Yeah. Robin. Robin. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. And people, they would say, please pray for my son, because, you know, he's, um, he, he, he's going, he's in Team Challenge, he's going through addiction, and they, they intercess for me every day. And I think through the prayers and through the intercession, God, God broke those, those chains in my life, because not many people get out of that stuff. A lot, I know a lot of friends who've OD'd and died. I remember them coming up and, yeah, and talking to us and what a, how touching it was. It was it, yeah, and I, that's why I'm saying I, I'll always love this church because I, people I didn't even know, you know, this was nine years ago, decade ago, really, were, were praying for me. And so then after I graduated Team Challenge, but this is interesting because before I got the Team Challenge, I remember one night I got high and I watched this documentary about street kids in Eastern Europe and how poor it is, mainly in Bulgaria. But Bulgaria, Romania, and Hungary are very similar countries. And so, I see, I see these kids, and like the parents throw them in dumpsters, and then there's like these centers they have for kids with disabilities, because in Eastern Europe, if your child has a disability, they think it's a curse on the kid. And in some cases, you know, people play with witchcraft. I've seen over there, a lot of times people go to witch doctors, their children will have mental or physical disabilities. Yeah, it's very common, but not in every case... But it's very superstitious culture, and so these kids, these centers are really full of kids, 100, 200 kids, and there's like two or three staff members looking over them. And I was looking at these kids, it's just heartbreaking what they're going through, like barely making it, a lot of the kids living on the streets, others in centers, others in dumpsters, crawling in the dumpsters, looking for food. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And I wasn't Christian then. Then after I got saved in Teen Challenge, I said, I think I want to be a missionary in Eastern Europe. So I told my mom that. And she's like, what? You know. You need to come back and go to school. You can't go there. It's crazy over there. I'm like, yeah, but I just, I feel that I need to do this. I don't know if I want to go to college. I don't know how long it's going to be, but maybe for a year or two, you know. So then she had a friend come over. They were redoing their house on, on Ruby Street. And... She had a friend who she used to work with, Darius Zaharia in Phoenix, because she, what she does is she buys old houses and then they renovate them, you know, and sell it for a profit sometimes. So he would do the wood floors. Romanians are very good workers, you know, they're hard workers. So she found out after a couple of years, he lived in Riverside, and, and he, she didn't know he moved, so she needed a wood floor guy and she found out he's here in Riverside, she was so... Uh, she called them to come over, and they started to do small talk, and uh, Darius would ask about, about us, and all of us, hey, how is, you know, Billy, how's the kids? 
blah, 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 how's everyone? And, and my mom's like, well, they're good, Billy's in Teen Challenge, I'm worried, because he's struggling with addiction, and then he, now he's saying he wants to go to Europe, and, you know, this is crazy, I don't know, because, you know, he was, he was one of the pastors at a Romanian church, so she told him, you know, what, what was on her heart, and he's like, well, listen, I'm going to Romania in June of, you know, 2015, if he wants to come with me, he can, and I don't know the guy, you know, but... We knew, I knew him a little when I was a teenager, but not well. So my mom called me and said, listen, I met with this guy. You said you want to be a missionary. I'm very skeptical about it. But if you want to go, he said he'll fly out and meet you. And during this time, I was at the second phase of Teen Challenge in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So I was like, okay, have him come out. I don't know. So he flew out to me. He was like, you want to come? You know, we do a street ministry with kids. We feed poor kids. And I know you have a heart for missions. And I was like, you know. The Lord delivered me from sin. The Lord set me free. I want to do something with my life. I want to share uh, the faith, my faith with other people, how, how, how God transformed my life. So I, I prayed about it, and, and I felt the peace to go. And I made a two-year commitment, and after eight years, I'm in Romania. <laughs> wow. Still in Romania. But I'm in a different place. Now. I'm not with him anymore. I'm in a different uh part of Romania, the western part of Romania. We were in the southern part of Romania. And, um... So you I, started the southern part of Romania? I started with him, and then we moved to Arad, and, and we, we our ministry helped fund the church, build a church, and I started preaching in a church, one of the main teachers at the church. And also, we were involved in summer camps every summer, involved with helping poor people since I've actually been involved in Ukraine since 2019 because there's been war there in Donbass since 2019 so we would do big Christmas evangelism projects for kids in the war zone over in Crimea and Donbass which as I said since 2014 that place has been affected you and said so, we who, who do you mean here our ministry with another ministry we team up with I see so can I tell you, before you go on? Yeah. That was a beautiful story. Thank you. I just loved every word of it. Thank you. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Well, down, man. The Lord is good. The Lord changed my life, and thank you. And, you know, for me, I want, it's, it's hard to stay there sometimes, I'll be honest with you. Like, sometimes I, I'm. Well, you'd rather be in Laguna? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little selfish, don't you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love your honest, your honest just yes. oh, yeah. answer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. My flesh would move everything and come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or in Phoenix, I hate the winter cold. It reminds me of, like, communism. You know, those dark winters. It's, like, oppressive. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. Not, not, not Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the heat. I don't mind. I, I don't. The heat doesn't bother me. So I'd rather be here. Yeah, I'll be honest. But I know that this is where the Lord wants me. And so I've been learning a lot about faith in the last in the last stages of my life. And faith to me has faith to me is three different parts, which I didn't really think about until <coughs> you're saying there's three parts of faith from what I see in the Bible. And this is what God has taught me, especially being in the mission field for eight years. Faith, we're saved by faith. So there's faith that saves you. 
you're justified by faith. So faith that saves you. Then there's faith, the gift of faith, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I never understood. And from what I see what that is, is I, and I've talked with people who, who have experienced this gift, they will literally see someone, I know a guy, he said he saw someone laying in the bed sick, couldn't get out of bed. He, this faith came over him to pray for him, and said, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. He didn't pray for the person, Lord, can you please heal him? He said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. That is the gift of faith, I believe, from what I see. Or when Peter and John said, gold and, and, and silver we do not have, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. That is the gift of faith, which is the Holy Spirit activates supernatural faith in you. And then the faith of trust, which is I have, which I have learned uh, in Romania, trusting God in every single aspect, and that to me is probably the hardest, you know, for all of us. For all of us. So, is it what you call that living by faith? Or just trusting you trusting, trusting that he has trusting. everything in his hand because I'm I, I like to like I'm not saying I'm a controlling person but I want to know what's going on like <laughs> tell me what's going on you know like, and I don't know sometimes so, uh, does that sound familiar like what's going on I want to know what's going to happen I don't know why isn't this changing why isn't this changing why isn't this situation changing in the church or why isn't this changing or why 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 and I want to know because I like to I like to plan ahead and figure things out and write things down and I don't know and I'm like. Gosh. And I'll give you an example. Mark remembers, we had a neighbor named, named Woody. He was a Navy SEAL. This guy was like as tough as nails. Is that here in, the, in, in Phoenix? Phoenix. Oh, in Phoenix. Uh-huh. And he fought like against Al-Qaeda and Taliban. I mean, this guy went through like some crazy special operation secret missions. And he doesn't want to talk about it because you can see he's like traumatized by it. But the, I was, I don't know, I was like three or four, so this is before the war in Afghanistan, but he was, he just, he just got done with Navy, the Navy SEAL school, and my mom wanted to teach me, uh, she wanted to teach me how to swim. So this guy comes over, I was like two, remember this? I was like two or two and a half. I remember, like, like being a baby, and he looked at my mom, and he's like, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to teach him how to swim, but you're not going to really like it. <laughs> so he took me, I was like a little toddler, and threw me in the water, and I start screaming. I was like, oh my God, he's going to die! And she was freaking out. And, I, and I'm just like freak, freaking out in the water, thinking I'm going to drown. I still remember, I was almost three. I was freaking out. That's one of the first memories I have. And he said, stop and calm down. Because if you're going to... F- Keep fighting the water, you're going to drown. Sit back and relax and have the water hold you. I was like, and I, I'm probably, I'm like, why would I have the water hold me and I'm scared of it? Like, I don't, I don't trust in this water to hold me. This water is going to kill me. This is absurdity. He's like, no, sit back and have, and have the water hold you. He didn't even touch me. He's like, sit back and relax. Stop moving. And I floated on my back. He's like, and I learned how to swim in a day. So that to me is faith mm. every day, mm. trust. That's different than faith that saves you. It's different from the gift. So, of so, so with that, uh, do you also include obedience? Do you say trust? But is it trust and obey? Is or is that faithfulness? I think it's obedience too. Yeah. Because it's hard to obey 
when you're like going through a wilderness stage, like why would I obey God? I don't know what's going on, and you just go by faith. Like even Abraham, it says, if you look in Hebrews 11, it says um, all of these were given the promise, but they didn't receive it. Abraham was given the promise, which was Jesus, but they, he never saw the promise. But then, and it says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. Yeah, right? offered up Isaac. It was the act of obedience. The faith was the act of obedience. Right. Which I believe is ultimately trust. Right. He trusted God. He so trusted he God, so he obeyed. Yeah. So faith is not, I don't think faith is a set of reg- regulations. It's obedience, even when you don't understand. But it, at the same time, it's not an obligation. It's done out of love. Because you trust in that person who saved you by faith, justification by faith. So the person who died for you and rose for you, you can trust in everyday situations that you don't even understand. And that, sorry. Oh yeah. I was just gonna say it's um, the way I like to put it is Hebrews. Hebrews. Um, It literally says, "The Lord will chasteneth whom He loveth," and it says in Psalms, "He'll chasten His sons," and so. Obedience is more like, you know, you can disobey, and God will punish you on earth for that. Just like if I disobeyed my father, he'd punish me too. But he's not going to cast me out and go, okay, get out of the house, you're out. Hmm. It's the same thing with God. If you have a relationship with him and you disobey, you'll feel it, you know, but he's not going to leave you and just say, you're no longer a son. Yeah, and so I've had to learn faith, and, and, and I've had such experiences with with God and faith that you know like I said I want to come back to Laguna but I don't because I know that's where the Lord wants me and so I want to share my faith as much as possible because I know that the faith that I have not saying I'm super holy but the faith that I have is real and so how can I just not share that with people who need that kind of faith in Romania which they don't have and so I know that's where God wants me, and I know that I have to be obedient during the season, even though I'm like that little kid, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I just have to sit back, and like, it's not that complicated, but I always overcomplicate things. You can ask my wife, and I do. I'm an overthinker sometimes, and but I know that he saved me from such misery. He saved me from just terrible darkness that I can't just keep that inside of me and so when I look mm. at people who don't know Christ when I look at people who are you know they're sinners and you know John John Edwards described something about a sinner he said a sinner is like a person on a spider web and he's over a huge uh, set of flames and he's, he could fall at any moment and he can fall in a fire and perish and, and so we've all been saved by grace, and I think sometimes we hold in that faith and that that salvation for ourselves too much. And I think that ultimately that, that, that can be dangerous because there's people who have no idea, including myself. Not many people told me on the streets, hey, I just want to let you know God loves you and can I pray for you? And I think sometimes we become so comfortable not realizing that eternity, I mean, I could go home and get hit by a bus and, you know, meet with God now. Like, eternity is real. We're not we're not here for a long period. In, in Psalms it says 70, 80 years. 
it says in Romanian, ce mai tare o zici deon? I don't know how to translate it. I don't even know it in English. I mean, I'm a Romanian. I read the Bible in Romanian. I try to learn the language. But the, the most powerful live until 80 years. That's how I'm literally translating it. So this, this, this life is short. If we hold in just for us, I think that that can become not necessarily narcissism, but egotistical because there's so many people who are like me out in the world who have no hope, who have no faith, who have, they think there's no chance for me. And so I think we as men at the body of Christ need to need to have that boldness and to pray for that boldness. And I have to do that for myself because even in Romania, I, oh, should I tell that person at the grocery store line about God? Should I tell that person, you know, uh, at the store about God? No, 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 I'm going to church now. I don't have time right now, you know? And I just hold it in to me. I'm talking to myself too. I hold it in too much, not understanding that God is not really concerned with the, the things of this world or, you know, he's not really concerned with this. He's concerned with eternity and where people's souls will end for eternity. And so we have to always pray for eternal perspective. We always have to pray, God, give me an eternal perspective. Help me to see things in light of eternity. And I think we can do that when we have a real living faith inside of us that has changed us. And, you know, and, and, and that's what happened with me. I mean, You can ask Mark. I, I was, I was, I was bad, and I didn't think there was a chance for me. But the fact that God chose to save me and to deliver me is just. Sometimes I look back at my life, and you know, God forgets our past. He forgives our past. But sometimes I think it's good to look back and say, "Wow, God, what have you? Look what you did for me. Like, where am I?" No, I didn't think I'd be doing preaching. I didn't think I'd be doing this kind of stuff. And it's not because I'm something special. It's just. I think it's for, it's for his glory, you know. He wants to show the world. He wants to show others, my old friends, my old my family. Look what I've done in Billy's life. You know, I'm real. This is real. The gospel is power, you know, unto salvation. And so I I think we should really really live out the calling of the gospel and to try to tell as many people as we can about Jesus because he's coming back soon. And this church, you know, I believe God set this church here for a purpose, and to and to tell people about about the Lord and what He's done in our life, because it says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, can you tell us about how you met your wife? And yeah. Well, Finn, would you mind doing that? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever. If we have time. We have time. What, yeah. what time does it usually end? Eight thirty. Eight thirty. Oh, so you're good. Can I ask a question real quick before yeah. you move on? You brought your wife here. Several years ago, right? Several years. Yeah. You guys have a baby now or no? We have two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think she was pregnant when you brought her here many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. By the way, I'm loving your story, man. Thank, Thank you. you. And you, you have a, an amazing delivery. Thank you very much. Um, you talked about the three levels of faith. Yeah. Could you maybe expound a little bit on the second level? I mean, just maybe, a, you know... You know, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. But could you go a little deeper into that for us? Yeah, I think that... Um, After you tell us how you met your wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah, I'll say how I met my wife, then I'll expand on that. Um, so, after I, I got invited to preach at a Romanian church in Riverside. There's a lot of Romanians here in Riverside, over 50,000. And you just preached here this last Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So when I come here, I usually preach at Romanian churches. And I preach in Romanian, by the way. Oh, yeah. I was just wow. wondering. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I saw, so I got invited to preach at a youth service. And I see this girl. I'm like, man, she's, she's pretty cute. I, mean, I shouldn't be checking out a girl in church. But I'm not going to deny that. That's the best place to find one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, not at a club. There you go. Right. Yeah. So... <laughs> So this was here. This was here. It was here. You didn't say no more. And I, and I said, where are you from? She said, oh, I'm visiting my family here. And she's actually, which was interesting, um, my pastor's, you know, Gabby, a, a niece. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know if that'll work out. <laughs> you know, but I told Gabby, like, man, I'm going to meet with her one time. Let's see how it goes. Because Gabby was the one who actually planted the church that I preach in. And the other church, yeah, and and the other church, the first church I was uh, serving in in Orshava, the southern part of Romania, he was the head founder of that church as well. So he was sort of connected with me since the beginning. So he's a good guy, and he's like, "Yeah, she's she's you better take care of her. I don't know if I feel good about it." I'm like, "Let me just go on a coffee out with, you know, I'm going to go on a coffee date with her." So I told her, where, I thought, but I thought she was from here. She's like, no, I'm from Arad, which is about two and a half hours from where I live. So we met at Starbucks. Of course. I got a, of course, I spent six dollars on a tea, you know, but whatever. It's on Starbucks tea. here. In Timisoara. Oh. Oh. We met in the middle, in Romania. Oh. In I said, Romania. let's meet. Oh. I, I found her on Messenger. I said, so you saw, met her here, but then you said, let's go to have coffee when yeah. you're back in Romania. Well, yeah, because I found her on Facebook Messenger. Oh. And so we were talking. Oh. We meet up one day. And I knew after the first date. So I, But I thought she was from Riverside. I don't know if she was visiting. I didn't know who she was. But, but you know what's interesting about that? Like six years ago or seven years ago. I told my mom, I'm trying to find a Romanian wife. I can't find one. And after, <laughs> after a couple of days, she literally sent a picture of Juana. She didn't know who Juana was, my wife. She said, what about this girl? She's cute. Where'd she find the picture? On Facebook. And she has it saved on her phone, the message. That's crazy. Wow. That's a big check. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I didn't find the message until after... I married her. I said, wait a second. What? My mom messaged me about you. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, she said, what about this girl? She's cute because I told her I'm trying to find a wife. And look at this message. She's like, I don't believe that. She saw the message. She's like, that's crazy. And this was a, this was a couple years before I met, met my wife. So. <laughs> now we have two kids. Did she speak English? When yeah, she speaks English. When you met her? Yeah. Yeah. So you were preaching in Riverside. Yeah. And... Um, she was, she was going, she was visiting. Her family was in Riverside. Yeah, I see. And she, uh, and she looked at you and she said, oh my gosh, I hope that man's available. Yeah. (laughs) You're preaching that. Yeah, then we all went out after the Buffalo Wild Wings, all the youth, and I talked to her for a couple minutes. She seems very nice. She's cute. So, hey. That seems to be a theme. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Philly, that day when you came to church with her before you guys had kids, I think she was pregnant. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I and um, I don't believe Jeff brought you up on stage, but you guys stood up in the audience, yeah. right? And you spoke a little bit. Your wife didn't really say much, so I didn't really think she spoke English. Oh, no, she's just embarrassed of her English. <laughs> okay, then, yeah. okay. I actually remember that. I yeah, did too. Yeah, that was, 
five years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. five years ago. Yeah. Can I ask a shorty before you get to the part two? Yes, yeah. please. Um, you said you uh, teach and preach in Romania. Yeah. Did you, are you self-taught? Pretty much. I, I've just, I've been there so long. I learned after about five years, but it was really hard. But I, I, I'm self-taught because I just was forced to learn. I know that I, I read the Bible. I have a bilingual Bible here and I read children's books. So God actually helped me reading children's books and then you learn the simple words. And, but it was hard. It took me about five years. He told me he used to sit in church services for three hours, twice a day, all in Romanian, didn't know one word of it. <laughs> you imagine? What, to suck it up? To soak in it? Oh, he had it. No, it had was the ministry. It was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was crazy. But anyway, um, you said you had the question about the On second. that second level of faith, yeah. Well, I think... Yeah, that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I, I'm still learning about it. I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but I think that, like I said, it's different than saving faith, and it's different than trusting faith. And so you're talking about what's mentioned in Corinthians, Corinthians. about the gift of the faith, gift of like faith. the spiritual yeah. gift of faith. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah like you. That. So I've, I've, I've had that, I've had that happen before to me. Is it a strength? It's like a boldness. Like, we were praying for some lady who was demon-possessed mm-hmm. in Austria. Mm-hmm. And and she, the demons were were speaking through her. I'm like, where am I? This is this this is nuts, man. I don't know if I should be here right now. And I don't know if I'm equipped for this, you know? And the demon started to mock me. Like, you can't do anything. And I said to her, I said, look in my eyes. But this was the Holy Spirit. It said, in Jesus' name, get out and listen to me and leave. Mm. And the demon left. It was a spirit of witchcraft. Mm. So I think that's this gift of faith. Like, I had the courage to tell the demon, shut your mouth and look in my eyes. And get out. Leave. And it just, it listened. So instead of praying for her, like you were saying, like a sick person or something. Yeah. You don't pray for the, you don't pray, you don't say, Lord, I pray you'll get this demon out. You cast it out. That's there you go. You yeah. cast the sickness out, you cast yeah. the illness out, the that's disease, the, the demon, whatever it is that's But it's when that gift, you can't just, I don't think you can just, because there's some weird teachings that all the time you should go out and heal the sick and cast out demons. I think you have to be led by the Holy Spirit when you do it. Because you can fall into some dangerous things. Right. People are going to get disappointed because you know all I know in Jesus I know yeah I don't know. So when I had that boldness, it was it was from the Holy Spirit that I could tell the demon look at me, yeah, and shut up and leave. That's what I told it. So or like like I said, Lord, I pray you will heal this person. No, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave sickness. I command the sickness to leave. That's the gift of faith. But again, it's. Something I'm learning about and I've experienced in Romania, not on multiple occasions, but on a few. And it's pretty amazing how Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, he didn't say, go and pray for the sick. Go and heal. He said, go and heal the sick and cast out demons, which is different. It's actually interesting. Um, Luke, I'm trying to remember, Luke 10, 19, Jesus literally says, 
I have given you authority to trample over the serpents and snakes. He straight up said, go fight him. You know, yeah, he did. I've given you authority, go do it. And that's part of the transaction. The right. Holy Spirit works through you, obviously, it's not you, but, but he works through you, so you have to be there to... There's been instances where I didn't feel to pray for a person who was sick, because I knew the person would go to the Lord. Right. You knew they were going. Or I just, I, I didn't have that faith, so I'm like, I'm not going to pray for someone if I don't have faith. You know? But does it also kind of relate to what Peter said about us having that obedience and knowing that we're constantly turning our life over to him. Constantly. Yeah. You know, like, will be done. That will be done where we feel that we have some kind of a direct line or communication. I mean, do you feel that there's times when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit or do you feel that you can fill yourself with the Holy Spirit upon, you know, in an instant? Basically. There are times where I, I feel empty and, and I don't know why. Like I, for instance, I preached three weeks ago at, at Riverside. They asked me to preach in English, and I didn't feel. I'm not saying it's about feelings, but you know when you have the authority yeah. when you have uh-huh. the anointing. Yep. It was a nice five point message, but there was no authority. Got it. People, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. people are moving and talking and oh, bored. <laughs> this is a great message, you know. Like, I preach about uh, the locust in, in, in Joel 2. Yeah. And I explain how each locust, what it did, and how sin will affect us. And it was so, like, amazingly written. I'm like, what? This is not boring, you know. People weren't even, like, paying attention, really. I felt like I was speaking for human wisdom. And then last, two nights ago, I was at... Yeah, two nights ago, I was in Riverside. And I, pro- I preached about why we don't see supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And I preach from uh, Gehazi in Second Kings how it's because of a lack of love. How, do you remember when the widow, the widow's son died and she went up to Elisha and Gehazi and Gehazi said, get her out of here because she was a Gentile and they were Jews. So they didn't want anything to do with uh, Gentiles. And so he went to pray for the son who died and nothing happened. And then Elisha went and prayed. And the sun rose. Why? Because he, he had love. He said, hey, don't do that. She's really upset. She's really bitter. You need to show her love, you know. When I went up there and preached, there was such an authority in the room. It was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was the Holy yeah. Spirit. Not one person moved. It was so quiet. It was like this anointing came over me. It was like I wasn't even, it wasn't me speaking. And I'm not, I didn't get into some crazy trance, you know, or something or it wasn't like I was having an outer body experience, but it was literally like the anointing was so powerful. So you know when it's there and you know when it's not. And not every time it comes. And then you go home discouraged, Lord, what was I saying? You know, people aren't even listening. And I don't think God allows it to happen every time because then you become, you can become prideful. Like, so he, he sometimes takes it off for you to pray more to get it again. 100%. You know? He wants your... It's a, it's a trust. He it's wants your communication, man. He wants, some, you know, sometimes yeah. the answer, I mean, Paul himself was preaching, was uh, praying for the thorn in his flesh to be removed, the thorn in his side, and yeah. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Right. But Paul healed all kinds. Paul, you know, the Holy Spirit through Paul healed all sorts of people. Yeah, right. So... I think they could... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I was telling these guys a story probably a couple months ago about my mother-in-law, how she got healed, 
and it, it had to do with, you know, she'd broken both of her hips, and she's older, she's like yeah. 72, and then we were, she got saved, it's a whole story, but we were in the parking lot, and there was a butterfly that landed on her hip, and then I said, um, when the butterfly flies away, her pain, your pain will be gone, right? Wow. I said that, but, like, thinking, like, why would I say that? It just kind of came out, and then as soon as the butterfly flew away, she was like, she had no pain. And That's and she was wild. healed. Right, but like me saying those words, it wasn't so like me thinking, oh, I'm just, you know, saying these words. So, so is it abiding? Is it abiding in the Holy Spirit that He's before you? It's, it's in a, that authentic, authenticity. It's abiding. Can I say something that relates right to this? Yeah. And it's abiding. What you were saying, Dan, when you guys were talking, um, I just got this image of a stage. You're in a theater and there's a big wood stage. And let's say you're alone on it. You're the, you're, it's you. And you're saying to the guy with the spotlight, hey, I, spot on me. He said, no. Right. You just stay on the stage. I'll put the spot on you when I want the spot on you. And you, so the key is to be on stage. Mm-hmm. Stay on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good though. Yeah, that's that's so helpful. Uh, you know, you're talking about uh, you saying, or I, I saying, or somebody get up and walk. I don't have the faintest belief I could do that. And I've been, you know, I've been fierce for Christ for years, but I don't have any confidence about in moving mountains. Right. Yeah, I don't have any confidence in ever moving a mountain. But I think I, what I'm hearing him say to what you're saying is that's an okay place to be. Right. right. Because you can't, you're going to be in that situation at all sudden. It's not Gil yeah. not feeling confident. It's going to be spirit just working in you. Yeah. And just saying, yeah. tell him to be healed or whatever it is. I think that's how that I do believe works. that. And I think that it. I see that in, in the other areas of my life where it's the Holy Spirit and I, I'm, I should just have to get out of the way. But um, maybe just painting mountains is enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I'm doing right now. That's what I mean. Um, do you, you know, you talk about, I love what you're saying about the three faiths and yeah. particularly the third one, which is the one we all probably struggle with the most, yeah, the trusting sure. faith. Do you, is there anything, I'm not sure I answered, but, but I guess in your experience in Romania, is there anything that, that you sort of gained by being over there in that society, in that culture, in that place that God has you there that really has taught you or helped you in how to live in that trusting thing? I'm not sure that's a good way to put it, but just... Um, Especially since you married into it. <laughs> I would say that um, the thing that helped me grow in faith was to, I had to learn the hard way not to trust in people. Because mm-hmm. I put my trust in people. And if you know anything about ministry, it's not easy. There's people who are not sincere sometimes. The wheat and tares. In Matthew 13. And so there's people with secret agendas. There's people who will use you as an opportunity. And I've been burned, as all of us have. 
Mm-hmm. And I, after I would say I'm 31, after 30 years, I finally came to the place where I cannot. It's we have to have brothers in Christ we can love and trust in, but we will disappoint each other. We will. I probably disappointed people without even knowing, you know. And so that 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 has grown my faith more in God is to trust in Him and not in people. Because I was sort of a people pleaser. I wanted everyone to be happy. And especially working with people nonstop in the mission. You know, you have, you want to love everybody, but people aren't going to be thankful all the time. They're going to backbite sometimes. They're going to talk bad. They're going to say, why did you have this person and not me? And blah, blah, blah. And you just have to like, okay, you know, wipe the dust off your feet, feet and continue to trust in God. So I think that's the thing that helped me grow the most is, is the faith in, in, in trusting in God that He won't let me down when people have. No, that's good. You know, because a lot of people have. And I, I became really bitter, really bitter, really upset because I'm the kind of person who gives my all for people. Even if I mess up, I'm sure I have. I don't see an opportunity for people. I, I want to love people how God loves people. But that's not the case with everyone. Not the case with everyone, and so, yeah, I've learned definitely to 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 be very careful with that, and to understand that even though people change, God God will never change. And so, when people burn me, God never did, and I burned God many times. I wasn't faithful towards Him, but He was always faithful towards me. And so, that's the area where I think I've grown the most is that. The third, I think the third part of faith for me was the hardest, with the water analogy. Yeah. Not the faith with the Holy Spirit, not trusting in Jesus because He died for me. The third part was the hardest. Because I always want to know what's going on. I always trusted in people. And I'm like, no. And, and that was, God's like, no, no, no. Stay back on the water because... The everyday trust. The everyday trust was the hardest. Yeah. Harder, I think, than the get up in Jesus' name and walk. Yeah. In my opinion. Heart. Because the second one, the second level, God has to do that. Yeah, God has you're commanded to, to do you, it. Yeah, yeah you, you know it, and He's coming through you, and, and it happens. But the last one, the trusting in every day, is what we really build. Yeah. And the only way we stay on track. And that's what He wants for us to be. Every minute we leave his eyes, everything goes south. And so we go back to that place and we stay there until we drift again. We have to keep emptying ourselves and filling with him. What do you feel, Billy, as far as like when you feel like you're getting off track? Or you feel like that the world or people or something sort of pulling you away from that trusting faith? Is there anything you that I like to do? <laughs> well, do or yeah, just I mean that sort of pulls you back. Um, oh, I would say, of course, I mean the Holy Spirit gives me strength, but I would I would say the thing that helps me is to I, I like I, I know it's not, maybe it's not good to say, but I'm not saying I isolate myself all the time, but I like to be by myself and go take a walk or work out, go in the mountains and just pray and get away from. Me people that's what I need or t- even working working out helps me mm-hmm. I enjoy running 
I enjoy playing basketball, although there, there's not really much basketball, it's more soccer, but I'm a terrible soccer player. But what, what also helps me is just, just meditating on the Lord, closing my eyes and just thinking, okay, everything seems to be going haywire, but let me think what good, you know, God has done for me. Doing that, shutting myself away, because Jesus is when you pray, shut your door, close the door, in other words, be by yourself. And so to me, doing that and having alone time is what keeps me sane and going. You know, I think we all need that. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like every time I want to do that, though, the phone starts ringing and people start texting me and the phone goes off or the kids break a glass and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, but... <laughs> or something spills or the kid ah, starts crying. How old are your kids right now? Uh, four and one. Wow. wow. Billy, tell us about your congratulations. congratulations. Some of the results and expectations. And have you brought a lot of people in? And in Romania? What, yeah, in Romania. What are, what are your best results, your fondest memories? Of it? Oh, well, I would say, I would say that, uh, I would say two things, really. I would say, I never thought I would do the Ukraine thing. Sometimes God will send you somewhere and you don't know what's going to happen, but it'll just open doors. That was a success because we've seen a lot of people give their life to the Lord in Ukraine, refugees. Because what we do is, so a lot of the refugees come from cities that have been bombed, and they go to an area, a city called Chinooms, which is 30 miles from Romania. But that part used to be a part of Romania, so everyone there speaks, speaks Romanian and Ukraine. So we go there, and we I would preach in Romanian, and someone would translate in Ukrainian to the refugees. And... We saw a lot of people touched by God's presence. I think that was a success in the last year. A lot of people who were delivered, a lot of people who came to know the Lord in the midst of pain. But also I'll say that the thing that has been a success are the camps we do during the summer. I think for youth, the best form of evangelism is camps. Because they're a way, if I'm preaching in a suit and tie, you know, I, I don't wear a tie usually, but I wear a suit, they're not going to feel as comfortable. But if I'm dressed like this and I'm talking to them how we're talking, they're going to be more open. And they're not going to come uh, to me with their problems. So the youth camps, I've, I think, have been a great success every summer. Just this summer in July, I saw over, I would say, 30 kids give their life to the Lord. Wow from 14 to 18 and it was God's presence was so t tangible you know we prayed like three hours at the end and they came up to the altar and they were crying and they were weeping and most of these kids come from from homes in which they have no background they have no knowledge zero to little knowledge of the gospel a lot of their parents like these kids the kids you saw running around the street or heard about running around the street in a garbage can some of those kids come but a lot of the kids come from homes where their parents are alcoholics or they experienced divorce. They've mingled here and there in church or the Orthodox church, but they don't know much about the Lord. So we team up with the ministry who builds relationships all over Romania. They've been doing this for 20 years. But my wife was involved with this ministry since she was 14 at camps, so she knows them really well. So technically, the last 15 years, she's been involved with this ministry, and they're great people. And so also another thing that the success story... In the last year, I've been going to high schools and middle schools and telling um, 
students about my testimony. And what's interesting from what I've seen is the non-Christians are more open than the Christians raised in the church. Really. Because the Christian kids are so used to going to church. These kids know nothing about it. Like, what? You are drugs and Jesus, like... And they're so... They're so open. More open, I feel like, than the church. The Christians who go to church. Because they know nothing about it. Are they Orthodox, the Christians? Excuse me. Are they Orthodox? Well, yeah, most of them are. But it's not... Yeah. It's a little well, different. They don't really... No. No, we don't. No, they don't. No. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. They don't. It's like Russian Orthodox. It's very yeah. Very oppressive. Yeah, very much so. So... How do these kids get to the camp? I mean... To... Uh, some of them, so what they do is they go into areas, they go into high schools, they go in, in poor areas and do Bible studies at churches, and the kids, they've been doing this for 15 years, the kids know about them, so they go every week to these Bible studies in different cities, and uh, also to churches too. You know, the kids are churches. invited to come? The kids or, are invited or are they to come. Just, the kids say themselves, I want to go to camp. Well, they're invited, but they they have they have the desire, and, and they also make relationships with churches okay. around Arad, which has over two hundred thousand people. Wow. So, you know, they, we did three camps this summer, and so the first two camps were from ages nine to twelve or eight to twelve, and then the third camp was from fourteen to eighteen. Mm-hmm. So these kids, either they come from churches, or they come from no background at all with the gospel. So it's half and half, I would say. But the kids who grow up in the church, too, need to have their you know own experience with the Lord. I'm presuming that the kids don't have to pay anything, if this is all financed either it's by all the financed. church or... Yeah. Only those who can pay, but if they can't... Most kids can't. Yeah, know. I would say, yeah. So our ministry helped finance their ministry, you know, and yeah. we pitched in, and it, it's a blessing to be able to help you know, those kids. Yeah, is there a significant amount? Is Transylvania in uh, Romania? Yeah. Yeah. So is there a significant amount of, I heard you use witchcraft earlier, oh, yeah. of yeah. black magic and that kind of thing? Big time. And it, is it part of the, is it infused in the culture? Yeah. From Vlad the Impaler. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Very Not superstitious. Clear. Very superstitious. Even... Baptists and Pentecostals go to witch doctors. This really? person yeah. in a business deal set a curse on them. We've, I've had to pray for people. In Ukraine, one night we prayed. I was with our pastor in Riverside. He, he came to Ukraine with me. And we, we said, hey, if you need prayer, come up. People have sickness. People, their kids are rebelling. Husband left, divorced. And we asked them, did you ever go to the witch doctor? Yeah, it's normal. Yeah, that's why you're going through all this, because you have an open door. And when we prayed with them, a lot of them were healed, a lot of them were set free, a lot of them were delivered. And so over there in the eastern part of Europe, witchcraft is just like a normal thing. You just go. And it's crazy, because they don't know they're playing with the devil, really. And here in America, though, that it's growing too, witchcraft and occultism and Satanism, but over there... It's just, yeah, it's a normal thing. Yeah, I'll go to the grandma up the street, you know, she'll set a curse on someone for you, like an old 85-year-old girl. It's just normal. Like she goes wow. to church on Sunday and, you know, prays, does the cross, and 
It's a normal, normal thing in Eastern Europe. Mm. Very superstitious. Mark was there. He, you know, he saw all how of it is. Really, really bizarre. You can feel it in the atmosphere. You can feel the demonic. Well, you can feel it when, yeah. when when you're talking to someone who's possessed. You can see him see it in their eyes. Yes, and you can. can feel it very strongly in in their aura. So I I, I just but I just wondered about that. Do anybody else have, yeah. Anybody else have questions? Is it like that crystal stuff that's going on here? No, not really. It's more of... Black magic. Old school black magic. Not to curse some of it, but not really. No, and Satanism. A lot of the youth is involved in Satanism, and the youth that I've talked to at the schools. We also want to start an after-school program for these children. Um, Starting this fall, so if you guys could pray for us, because when I went to the schools, I spoke to over... I would say 40 classrooms. I never saw the kids again. So wouldn't it be good to do some kind of after-school program activities with kids who need to know Jesus? Because we have to make disciples, not just see them once and, okay, bye. So we want to do that, and I believe God will make it a success. But uh, Satan, meth, methamphetamine has, has been pushed into our city, and Satanism now with the youth. Mm-hmm. So you see kids like walking around in all black and then nails painted and makeup and upside down crosses and um, it, it's really I think they're burned out by religion they're burned out by legalism and they're going to they want a different you know a spiritual experience yeah and they don't know they're playing with fire so they're doing drugs and ecstasy and Xanax and methamphetamine which when I came to Romania eight years ago drugs and and, and, and meth and all that it wasn't really around it was just alcohol and weed yeah you know which is still not good but now it's way more hardcore the devil is fighting the youth more and suicide rates are up it's really sad so we want to do something for, for the youth is I David think. Wilkerson's ministry like Teen Challenge is that kind of a template for what you are doing with some of your people no they have I've been to Teen Challenge they have a couple but what we're doing is sort of I wouldn't say it's a center. I would say it's more of a prevention kind of thing. Because a uh, teen challenge, they sleep there and they, there's right. always staff. But, you know, with that, you need a lot of... That's not really my vision now. That That's a full-time thing. But I have other things going on, so I don't want to get right. involved in just full-time center. But it would be more of, I would say, a prevention to not end up how I ended up. That's why I don't want them to see how I ended up. There are other friends of mine. And... You can't tell them, guys, guys are like 35 to 40 years behind the times. We did that yeah. in the 80s and 90s in California, you guys. We're all Christians now. Yeah. yeah. So we can save you a lot of time. A lot of waste of time. Unbelievable. Do you consider yourself primarily an evangelist? I mean, it seems like you have I would say I'm an evangelist more than a pastor or something. I do love to teach. The Word of God. I guess I could say I'm an evangelist teacher. Is that, can you be an evangelist teacher? Yeah, absolutely. You can be all five. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a great presence. Watching what happened to my brother is part of my own salvation. Amen. Completely. Yeah, he. Uh, I looked up to him, and it, you know when he was in a bad place. And that, I mean, and it, you know, and I looked up to him when he was saved, and 
watching him get saved is just, I mean, it, it's, it proves God to me. Right. Hey, How much uh, age difference is there between you? Uh, what? Three? Probably 28. 28. Three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in ministry with you? No, not, uh... It's okay. Not, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was. Well, I mean, well, well I'm Mark, just saying there's yeah, a sense say, where we're all in ministry, not, yeah, right? There, there is. Mark's there. not in, Preaching. Um, like, official, like, ministry, but Mark has done some pretty amazing things yeah, and um, God's been good yeah, to me, been too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good source. And how, you have other brothers, don't you? You have Tim and then Ellie. Yeah, there's Tim is in Florida. Florida. Huh? What's that? No, Ellie is. <laughs> oh, Ellie is. Yeah, Ellie's 26, God, Tim's 29. Yeah. Or 30, is he 30? No. About, yeah. Yeah, he's 30, I think. Yeah, he is 30. And then Mark's 20, and I'm terrible with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have who hasn't... Gone. Just anybody questions? I have a personal question. If nobody else has a question, if you don't mind, I don't want to get hung up on this. But on Wednesdays, sometimes I go to like this worship little hour, you know, at lunchtime, and there's people there. One of the pastors there, but there's been pastors coming from Irvine or uh, Anaheim Church, and it doesn't freak me out. But I, I just. I wonder, and when you say you've, you cast out demons, I thought, oh, this is a perfect person to ask. Has the Holy Spirit ever entered you and had you speak in tongues? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And that's being fully filled with the Holy Spirit, obviously, because you wouldn't know what you were saying otherwise, right? Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Okay. He did, he did fill me. Right. Has that happened to you? No, it has not. No. It doesn't freak me out. But it, it's happening around me, so yeah. I'm like, wow, they're... I, I, I cry when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I do. I just bawl my eyes right. out. Yeah. It's yeah. just like what you were saying, you know, just arms around you and just, you know, just a, high, a different vibration yeah. Yeah, that causes right. me to cry. Yeah. But yeah, no, 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 no speaking in tongues. But I was just curious. I have had that happen. It was a pretty... I'm not... I don't believe what the... A lot of the Pentecostals teach if you haven't spoken in tongues, you haven't received the baptism of mm. the Holy Spirit. I don't, I, but mm. that experience to me was amazing. Supernatural. But there's other people who I know who have received the gift of prophecy and haven't spoken in tongues. Yeah. But they were still full of the Holy Spirit. I think that's in the Bible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> right, but yeah. a lot of times, I think making doctrine out of the book of Acts can become yeah. a little dangerous. Right. Because you can ex- exclude other people who haven't had the same experience as you. Yeah. So I would never say to someone, I am more full than you just because I've spoken in tongues. It's just a different path. I think anyone can do it who desires. Yeah. If you truly desire, the Lord could do it. Interesting. For any, Did for you any know person. what you were saying when you were speaking in tongues? Did you have any concept? Because I know in the Bible, you know, there's interpreters, right? So um, I did not know what I was saying, but I felt so joyful, and I know it was to me. It sounded like it was it was unreal. It was a team challenge, actually. It was wow. like Chinese. Wow. I I think I know the earthly language. Okay. And it sounded like Japanese or Chinese. Probably Aramaic. And it was amazing. Interesting. And I was full of so much joy. That's rad. Yeah, and so... Thank again, you for sharing that. 
anyone who desires a gift, I think, could, could, could receive it, but I think making that, how some of the assemblies of God have made it, it's, yeah, can become who, who's more holy than the other, you know? And Which is not, again, biblical. It's not biblical. I think somebody that looks like you and delivers himself like you speaking in tongues is much more acceptable than somebody that looks like me, you know, completely out of (laughs) my understanding of speaking in tongues. I think people would run. So (laughs) I don't think think so. You might look like you have your finger in a. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm completely joking. I would rather receive the gift of prophecy. If you wanted that gift, pray yeah. to the Lord, he could give yeah, it to you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You really Paul said, desire the, desire the gifts. Yes. Yeah, I'm just trying to make light. I appreciate that. Really Thank you. Yeah. So these guys in here know that I have to pull up a scripture that's dealing with what we're talking about. Okay. And um, you were talking earlier. I, it, it was really a wonderful metaphor about the drown, throw, being thrown in the pool. Ah, right. Relax and oh, flow. you grab your mother. Let it. <laughs> What, how do you say? It? Let it hold you up. Let the water hold you. Let up. the water hold you. And so the word is, you know, from the Bible is uphold. And there's a few references, and there's the psalm from uh, 51, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And Can you so, read that again, Tom? Yeah. But let me read the, okay. the first yeah, few verses here. before it, because yeah. they're like the preface to that, which I think fits so well with your testimony. Right. It's like, how do we get there? David like, after Bathsheba, that song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, starting with verse 8 to go to 12, what I read you was 12. So here's verse 8. So this is what we ask of the Lord to get there. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, this is confession of sin, and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, we know this one, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not away from my presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David's asking the Lord not to take the Holy Spirit. The Spirit back then. Yeah, before it Restore, the, and this is 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So he lost the joy of the salvation. He's asking the Lord to restore it. And uphold me with thy free spirit. So at the end, he's asking him, hold me up. I love it. You know? That's good stuff. Is that 51? Is that 51? Yeah, that's 51. Love it. Mm. Thank it's you, beautiful. Tom. So, um, <clears throat> as we get close to, get close to closing, um, so, one thing just for you guys to know, if you ever, if you ever do, I'm just going to say, financially want to help him with his ministry, um, you can go to, in like, in our app, and when you give to Little Church by the Sea, there's a thing that's called Fund, it's mostly default in general. If you click on that, you're going to find right underneath that is Assured, assured, hope, assured hope of Romania. And so that's one way you guys do, because then what we do is we take that money, we just send it right yeah. to Billy's ministry. Or you can go on their website um, for Assured Hope and also give. Um, but I also, I guess, so you said as far as pro- things to pray for you, one of them is for this after-school program. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you, what things that we can just pray for you here? Um, I, would, I would say strength. I need strength. 
So sometimes I get discouraged, you know, can become lonely. Hmm. I feel like a, I'd love the remaining people. They're, they're hospitable people and stuff, but it's, it's not my culture, you know. It's not my people. I'm an American from the West Coast, you know. So it's different. It's definitely, it's a lot of pressure in the ministry, and I get tired. I get discouraged sometimes, so I need... I need strength from only, you know, God's Spirit can give me. Because, you know, a lot of times we look at people in their ministry who are preaching, oh, they have it all together. Uh, far <laughs> from that. <laughs> so I definitely do need that that strength and want to, my wife needs strength. And, and of course to pray that the war doesn't come to our country, because that can, that can end up bad. The war would not end up in Romania, because we're right next to, you know, to Ukraine, so yeah, but strength and encouragement from from God, and also discernment to be wise who I partner with, who I who I work with. Um, just just discernment in every choice you know I have to make to know that okay, this is where God is leading me, this is where He's not leading me. And to know it's Him, not just my own flesh or. You know, from someone else, from him directly. So that's that's what we need prayer for: yeah. strength, encouragement, and discernment, and this after-school program. And the after-school, yes, for sure. Well, why don't we? You know, why don't we just take a couple minutes to just pray for Billy, and I'll just you anybody who here just wants to pray for him, just just do. And uh, and then I'll close us out with that. Okay. Beloved Father, bless this wondrously spirited young man and his family with protection, courage, enthusiasm, and a renewed spirit. Outpour to him all he needs financially, mentally, emotionally, physically. Make him a pillar, Father. He has been such an example, and we've learned so much from him tonight. And I ask that some of the spirit that you have. <clears throat> given him to permeate this room for all of us to stand in Jesus name in Jesus name and by the Holy Spirit Father I ask that you give Billy fortitude strength courage reassurance in this war against the enemy to bring me <clears throat> to the only truth way in life to allow us to reach peace in our hearts and in our lives Lord I ask you give us all the needed wisdom, courage, strength to do the right thing by you to do your will to bring the gospel of salvation to all. Father, I ask you heal our wounds, you heal the wounds of others, and you use us 
to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for Billy and Juana, just in their relationship and uh, the ministry and the work that you're doing in their lives, dear God. Billy is married into a culture and uh, the love that he has for his wife and the ministry that they do and his children that are uh, from that world, uh, that you would just continue to feed uh, and build yourself uh, in all the ways in that young family and just go before them and behind them, each side of them, above, below them, that you would just guide them in every which way that your word guides that light that you are, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Be with them in every which way. Their parents, Bill, and um, that just the whole family support that they have in that ministry, that that would just continue to be upon them and grow, and uh, that we as, a, as men here, that we would think beyond Southern California and this culture, and that we would think about the world that he's brought to us, the old world, and uh, a world that uh, doesn't have the distractions that we have, that we would uh, decide that we could separate ourselves from a little bit of this to think of what they're dealing with and that we would reside in uh, your victory over the darkness. Uh, Jesus, you have come upon and, and saved us from this. So we just uh, want to be more mindful of a ministry that Billy and Juana have and uh, think about it and maybe try and stay in touch with them and just encourage them, we pray in Jesus' name. Dear God, I lift up my brother Billy, who has been your faithful servant for years now, and we praise you for his ministry and for his courage and for his humility, Father. I see how much he's laid down and how he's crucified the flesh. We worship you, God, and we adore you. We love you, this body of believers who has been so supportive to my family over the years. Mm -hmm. We lift them up, and we thank you for your members. We thank you for your church. We love your church, God. We thank you for my brother who has served your church faithfully. Yes. And we know that you'll finish his work and bring it to completion as you do all good things. We pray to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dear God, thank you for Billy. He is um, obviously a warrior and just an exceptional human being. And uh, you have done a great work in him, Lord, and you continue to do great works in him. And we just want to support him and lift him up, Lord fortify him, encourage him. We need more people like him on this planet, Lord. And he is all about you, God, and that comes true 110%. Um, Thank you, Billy, for being here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for bringing him here. Thank you for giving him the tools to uh, touch each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you for speaking through him. Thank you for... uh, protecting him and encouraging him and teaching him and leading him in Romania. Thank you for his beautiful family, Lord. We just uh, thank you for his ministry. And uh, he will forever stay in our prayers. And when we think of that 
that place. We will think of Billy and, and the hard work that he is performing over there in your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Lord, thank you for Billy's lesson to us about the Holy Spirit. I think we all learned that it comes in three ways. Bless his ministry. He asks for discernment. All of us here pray in your name that you will give him discernment in his walk in the future, especially in these last days where the deceptions will be severe and subtle. And Lord, like his brother just prayed, uh, we know and trust that you have begun a good work in him and you'd be faithful to complete it. So we are joyous and anxious to see how that will come to pass. Yes, God. Jesus' name. Surround him with angels, Father. Surround him yes. and his family yes. with the angelic host. He will feel, they will feel, his family will feel the power and might of the Holy Spirit through the angelic host. Protect him, yes, God. brothers, all of us as brothers in Christ, Lord. Just thank you for the gift of what you've done in Philly, and particularly this gift of faith that you have given us. And may we all together know that every day, every second, trusting in you, not in the world, not in people, not in ourselves. And I pray that for building, I pray that for each one of us, Lord. And Billy, ask if you if you know if you do this, can you do the Lord's Prayer in Romania? Romania? I I, I can. <laughs> like you, ninety percent, but I can. We will not know. Ten percent. <laughs> yes, please. Do. Can you do that for us and just close yeah, us out with yeah, that? Yeah, I can. Okay, thank you, thank you. Dada nostru care este în cerul, sfințește se nemulțeau. Vie împărăție ta, facă-ți în voie ta, așa și pe pământ și așa în cer. Pune-ne noastră toate zilele și dă-ne nouă astăzi, pe cum și noi iertăm greșeșile noastre și iertăm greșeșile lor. Și ai tăi este împărăție și puterea și slavă în veci. Amin. 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 Amin.